Welcome to the Defiant Business Podcast. A business podcast produced by Defy the Status Quo for forward-thinking businesses and savvy professionals looking to defy the status quo of mediocre customer experiences, barely surviving businesses, and haphazard business development. We'll explore best marketing and sales practices, improving business processes, attracting your ideal clients or customers, striking your perfect work-life balance, business basics, intentional inclusion in business, and so much more. Thank you for joining me today. Let's do this. My next guest, Shelly Brown, believes mindfulness is not what we've all been led to believe. Rather than a focus on what's often seen as woo-woo, weird, and uncomfortable approaches, she knows it's a practice of rock stars, a practice that can transcend calm, a practice that trains our brains to embrace and extend time in the present. Shelley spent over two decades in the corporate world. She remains connected to her corporate roots as a speaker, webinar, and workshop facilitator, inviting leaders, executive committee, to frontline manager around the United States to a practice that trains our brains to achieve remarkable calm, focus, and resilience. The end result? We can show up better for our lives and better together. Okay, thank you so much, Shelley, for coming on the show and being here with me virtually. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I feel like we're going to have to do like a recap show, you know, some months in the future because we live pretty close together. I feel like we could make that happen. Yeah, do a live version. That would yes. be Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be wonderful. Okay. So I like to start off with kind of a fun question to get everybody, you know, just to give everybody a little insight into you and to kind of give them an idea of what's coming next. So I wanted to ask you a question that my children have asked me. What is your superpower? My superpower is creativity. Mm. Yeah. That's a wonderful one. And that's, I mean, and I, I am not surprised that you said that just because I was just looking on Instagram and saw your collage art and I was just so surprised. Thanks. It's really fun. And I'm also a writer. So, and all of this is the result of, of my mindfulness practice, honestly. Well, I, I think that that's wonderful. (laughs) So speaking of mindfulness, I'd love for you to tell us a bit more about ROI mindfulness, your company. Yep. So I started my company about a year and a half ago and, and ROI is obviously a play on words. It doesn't mean return on investment. It actually means real time observations and insights. So mindfulness is really the practice of being present. It's be here now and real time observations and insights is really a skill that we can cultivate through the practice of mindfulness. And I started the the business really focused on the corporate culture because I spent 25 years in the corporate culture. And so, yeah, so I named my company so that it would be attractive to that audience. Well, you did a really good job because, I mean, I thought ROI was return on investment. So <laughs> that is, that's actually 
That's wonderful. I, I imagine that's probably a great conversation starter for you at like networking events and stuff when we're allowed to do those. Well, for sure. Cause I mean, everybody in the corporate culture wants an ROI, but guess what's behind cultivating an ROI? The people, right? That's right. Giving people the tools that they need. And I'm not just talking about the processes and systems that they mm-hmm. To feel engaged, to feel purposeful, to feel intentional, to feel like what they are doing is is connecting them for a bigger purpose is something that mindfulness can help a lot with. So, you said you spent 25 years in the corporate world. So, how did you come into this space of entrepreneurship, specifically this this wellness entrepreneurship journey that you've started? That's a good question. So for years and years, I was pretty much a type A, really kind of what people would say high strong and high strong is not a nice word. So if you ever think you want to use it, it's it's not a nice word. And I was just always creating so much velocity. The faster I moved, the more I did, the more I would, the more successful I would be. And that manifested not only in work, but in, but in running my extracurricular activity was doing marathons and ultra marathons and everything. Oh my goodness. Go, 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 go. Yeah. So long story short, I, I got incredibly injured and my vertebrae collapsed and it was after 25 marathons, six ultra marathons and boom, my biggest stress reliever, my biggest accolades and accomplishment and something that I was really good at was completely gone in one fell swoop. And I got thrown into fight or flight because basically it was like, here's your life bucket. We're going to dump it upside down. Now I couldn't walk. I couldn't work. I was in constant pain. I couldn't sleep. And it gave me so much anxiety because I thought it was never going to end. I thought that I was forever. And, um, I call it foreverizing. Uh, long story short, I, thanks. There's never rising and foreverizing. Foreverizing, something's going to last forever. Never rising is this is never going to end. And that is how we cause ourselves to suffer, but we can talk about that later. So I had a successful surgery, but my 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 stress response wires were crossed and i started reacting to everything like it was a, like it was stress like it was an emergency and that's when your amygdala kind of gets hijacked and all the information that you take in goes straight into that threat response so you're just like this and i had an intervention through a mindfulness based stress reduction program after thinking that i was just crazy and this is the way it was going to be And what it helped me realize is that stress response is physiological. So a physiological intervention is what's going to help a physiological problem, right? A physiological issue. So it's kind of like that program reset my wiring and it was such a transformative, transformative um, experience that I had to learn how I could bring this to other people like me who who'd gone through things like that. So I work with some former Buddhist uh, monks who now are working in the corporate space and I continue to consume tons and tons and tons of information. Plus I have a really solid meditation practice. So I was thinking about what you said about 
you know, things feeding into the, the stress response. And it's making me think back to a few days ago where I was just sitting at my desk and things were going okay. Everything was fine. You know, I felt like it was a good day. And I just started feeling the stress like I started feeling like something bad was happening. And so I was starting to feel really stressed out, even though I was just sitting at my desk answering an email, like no bad news. You know, it was, like I said, it seemed like a good day. It was really weird. And I have to wonder if maybe that's like just the stress from this quarantine situation just kind of bubbling over at an unexpected moment. Yeah, I mean, it really could be. And our bodies don't lie to us. So when we sense something in the body, it's telling, it's telling us something. So nobody is immune. Even if you think like you've got it all together, I don't think anybody is immune to having those moments or multiple moments or sort of an overarching feeling of unease throughout this. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to talk more about, about identity. And, and what that meant for you, for sure, when you had to make that shift, because being in the Army, I had something that was part of my identity also taken. So I'm really interested in your insights. I don't want to say it was taken, but I felt compelled to give it up anyway. So looking a bit more at the, the business side of things again, how do you normally work with your clients? You know, like they you've gone through the process, you've qualified them, you've signed your contract and we're ready to get started. What does that look like for a company? Interesting. So mindfulness is a whole lot more than just cultivating calm. It's a good entry point and it's very, very helpful. Um, so it is very good at helping cultivate calm, but really what more than that, it's a practice of presence. Being present in the workplace, when we can cultivate presence, we can show up better for others. And so when I work with companies, I'm not sitting there taking people through meditations. I am actually doing more of a experiential type of workshop where we talk about different parts of work, whether it's meetings, whether it is emails, whether it's time. We talk about the different things that are all part of work. And then I help introduce what mindfulness is. And then we come back and we can cultivate different mindfulness practices around different areas of work so that people can actually have the intention to show up better. They actually create their own mindfulness practices. Wow. Yeah. Well, so that would certainly get them invested then in the process. That's, that's very, very tailored. So I imagine that that's like a, you guys, you must go through a very serious discovery process with your clients then. I do. The hardest part of having a whole organi organizational mindfulness program is that we're still in this space, in my space, we're still defining what mindfulness is. And so getting leadership buy-in when people still think that it's all just meditation and it's all about creating calm people, we can't get the buy-in that way. But when you think about things like ROI, when you think about your company's mission, what goes into fulfilling your company's mission? It's the people and the people needing certain things to be able to help you fulfill your mission. So it's about cultivating presence so that you know how you're showing up, creating self-awareness and things like resilience and balance and 
mindful listening and mindful communication and just it, it's a lot more than just being calm. So I think right. mystifying what this is for leadership to get the buy-in that it's actually a way to help you reach your organizational goals. It's not just this woo-woo mystical thing. Even though that is what a lot of people make it out to be. And and to your point about it not just being about being calm, I think my kids are more scared when I am acting calm and they know that they've done the wrong thing than when I start yelling. I don't think I should be yelling either. But I can tell when I try to be calm and I'm just not actually feeling calm, it sounds dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. And by the way, a calm person doesn't make a good leader. A self-aware leader makes a good leader. That's a fact. There's other things. I mean, cultivating other people, cultivating others to shine, being compassionate, mindful listening. There's a lot of things that make a good leader, but Calm is not one of the requirements that you see on a job listing. That's true. I have never seen, you know, John is such a good leader. He's just so calm. Nobody says that. No. (laughs) (laughs) 